Conversations, the show where we bring you the news and in-depth stories from around the Washington National Guard. I'm Sarah Morris, and on today's episode, we have our first guest host and speak with Brian Turbish about volcanoes to educate ourselves during May, which is Volcano Preparedness Month. Enjoy! Be sure to follow us on social media. Stay up to date on all the cool events, stories, photos, and videos happening around the Washington National Guard. If you have a question, have a comment, or just want to say hi, send us a DM, PM, tweet at us, whatever, and we'll answer you. We also love to share and collaborate. Send us the photos or videos you take at Drill or AT, and we'll tag you. Are you an active Instagrammer? Well, you might be a perfect candidate to take over our account. Send us a message, and we'll set something up. To find us, do a search for WA National Guard. That's WA National Guard, and look for the blue check mark. All right, so today, uh, my first guest host, Stephen Frederick. Friedrich. Friedrich, of course. (laughs) It's fine. It's okay if I make mistakes. Um, And you are with the communications department for the state? Yes, we work together. We work together. We have a big family of federal and state employees. Yep. Um, And he's One team, one fight. And you're my first guest host, so congratulations. Thank you. I miss you, Jason. <laughs> we miss you, Jason. Um, and we are joined today by Brian Turbush. Did I do that right? Uh, Turbush. I almost did it. Turbush. I'll call it close enough. Okay. And what is your position? I work for the Washington Emergency Management Division. I'm the Earthquake and Volcano Program Coordinator. And what is that? What does that mean? Uh, For the most part, I'm part of the geohazards program, and it involves a lot of outreach and education about the volcano and earthquake hazards. And since this is May is Volcano Preparedness Month in Washington, today I'll focus on volcanoes. And we have five volcanoes in Washington. We have five active volcanoes. How many not active volcanoes do we have? That's a good question. I'm sure there's some old ones around, but I haven't really seen records of that. Okay. Put you to we a worry side. about the active ones. Sarah. Well, yeah, Those I know, but I was fun. just interested. Well, everybody's like active volcano. Like, that's the emphasis. I didn't know if There's there was like a record of. So we have a volcanic field that's out between uh, kind of a little bit south of Mount Adams. Okay. And uh, there's a lot more of those in Oregon and Idaho, the old volcanic fields. But Makes they're sense. not considered active anymore. And so you're a volcanologist. And just for everyone listening, what does that have to do with Star Trek? Well, if I had to say, I'm not as big of a Trekkie as I could be, but volcanoes are very long-lived, and the soil around them is often prosperous. So that's that's about it. That's the only relation. Probably. Besides the Roman god of fire. Well, there you go. Vulcan, which is where the name volcano comes from. You're a big Star Trek fan, aren't you? I'm not. You're trying hard. I'm not. That's literally the only thing I learned this morning about volcanology. (laughs) <laughs> but there is a volcano in Italy that's called Volcano. Yes. And it's spelled that way. So yes, that's I'd probably where that name came, comes from. Yes. Brian, this is a pretty low bar. So that's all she knows. So That's all I know. Well, now you know there's a volcano in Italy called Volcano. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so what, um, what is important to know? What do we need to know? Well, so I'd say the most important thing to know is to understand that if you live in Washington, there are volcano hazards. And you might not think of all the potential hazards, but if you can see one of these volcanoes, if it starts erupting, it will probably impact you in some way you can't foresee. Um, So this could be if you drive by Mount Rainier every day, 
um, or an eruption from that mountain might have some ash or lahar effects on you it might impact the tourism around the area because everybody's going to want to come see this volcano erupt it's pretty much a celebrity of the area everybody's going to want to a lot of people are going to want to watch that's one thing that came out of the 2004 eruption of mount st helens they have people lined up outside the exclusion zone with their barbecues trying to watch this volcano erupt they stayed outside the exclusion zone, so that was good. They were right. just parked on the park road, bumper to bumper, that having a picnic. seems crazy town to me. Well, I mean, the 1980 eruption, right. there were people that refused to leave. The Harry Truman story, not the president, just this dude who had a cabin, refused to, to leave. Happened to be named Harry Truman. Yeah, he ref- I mean, he's, he's probably one of the more famous stories. Right. absolutely refuse to leave that's one of the things about talking about the volcanic hazards we don't want to have any more harry trumans right we want to make sure that people are willing to make their own decisions and they can we cannot force evacuations in this state but we want people to have an understanding of the hazards to a degree where they can make an educated decision about whether to stay or whether to go when one of the volcanoes is exhibiting unrest or in an eruption period and so then do you have or i know the technology isn't perfect or or even like super good but is there a way to predict um, eruptions Uh, so all of our volcanoes are a little bit different they all have kind of their own character which is kind of a unique thing about them I appreciate Um, but for example Mount Rainier Mount St. Helens are the two considered the highest threat they're number two and three um, on the most recent survey but because of that they're both very highly monitored Um, so because of that you can also look at it and see that Mount Rainier has a certain number of earthquakes per day. That's just its character. It shakes a lot. Um, A lot of those are also ice quakes that happen on the glaciers. Mount St. Helens also has a lot of earthquakes every day, and they can tell that that magma chamber underneath it is refilling. But if we don't properly monitor the volcanoes, it's tough to tell what that character is, so it's hard to tell when it's kind of going into a state of unrest. It's kind of like going to a doctor regularly and getting your checkup on your pulse, your blood pressure, Uh, We know what their normal activity is, so when it goes into unrest, you know what's different. So maybe you know your blood pressure's changing from a normal level. And then what about the the other three? Do they have any kind of... They're all monitored, but a lot of them only have one seismometer on them, which is not ideal. Um, Baker has two, but the second one is a little farther away. Okay. Um, It's better to have more because you can more accurately resolve exactly how deep the earthquakes are happening in their character, so you can understand whether it's magma moving up, what is causing those earthquakes is what right. you want to find out and then exactly how deep they are but the only one to erupt recently is helens right st helens yeah. so mount rainier last erupted in 1894 1895 and then have the other three ever erupted in like a where it's been notated uh so there have been in the some in the 1800s okay um, a lot more steam and ash eruptions nothing particularly big Uh, Mount Baker, back in 1975, they had a period where they were very worried about it erupting. Um, It actually went up to a warning, a watch level. Okay. Not a warning. That means there's an eruption. I can go into those later. (laughs) Um, But there was a lot of increased heat flow in that case. So there was a lot more steam coming out of it than normal. They actually closed the campgrounds around it. They lowered some water in the dam just in case there was a lahar into the Baker Lake. I'm not sure if you caught that, but it's more steam than normal. That means right, that more th- steam than normal because there is I still saw a some steam. Yesterday, of someone who had summited Mount St. Helens, and there was a little steam plume uh, coming out, even though it's covered in snow. So, so you yeah. s- you can see steam in right. in these active volcanoes, and right. that does not mean that they're about to erupt. Right. Uh, we we've been 
having to fight that a little bit because of pictures, uh, Mount Baker in particular right now. Okay. That's part of why we keep saying we have five active volcanoes. <laughs> they yes. all have active hydrothermal systems. Name check them all. I don't think you name checked them all. All right. Starting from the north, we got Mount Baker. Yes. We've I saw him. I called it a him. It's a mountain. I saw Mount Baker <laughs> on Monday. It was clear enough. And oh, I was nice. on Rattlesnake Ledge. There's a lot of beautiful mountains up here, and they're all... I know. Those ones are active volcanoes, at least. Yes. Coming back down, the one that's kind of harder to see. I don't know if I've ever actually seen it. I saw it once. You saw it once. I mean, I'm sure I've seen it, but I'm not sure exactly which mountain it was in the field of view. Yeah, um, I get... Glacier Peak. It was part of the mountains that I saw. Definitely. (laughs) Um, Mount Rainier. I'm pretty sure I've seen that one a couple times. I mean, like, almost every day this week, probably. Yeah. It's it's a really nice one. It's nice out. Right. Um, and we have Mount St. Helens and Mount Adams as well, which easier to see if you go down towards Portland or out towards Yakima. Yes. And then, of course, Oregon has their own, I mean, Mount Hood, right? Uh, Mount Hood's the big one in Oregon. Yeah. Cool. It's, it's a, so and any that of that one can is, impact us. It's not far from the border, right? I haven't been to Portland or there, but I'm going near there this weekend. I'm going to Columbia Hills. Um, yeah, it's pretty close to the Columbia River. Yeah. That's not a huge hazard here. It hasn't been a large uh, ash producer in the past. Okay. Um, but it could have some lahars that go down the rivers into the Columbia River. Okay. So here's a factoid for you. So the 1980 Mount St. Helens eruption, the ash didn't actually come to the Seattle area because the wind blew it pretty much everywhere else. That's I, interesting. Yeah, I wonder if it went out to where you were growing up. I, w- I wasn't alive yet, unfortunately. <laughs> I guess. Well, no, but your parents were. Oh yeah, so they, they would have been. That. They would have been in Minnesota. I don't think it would have made it all the way. Okay. And if it did, it probably would have. When it, what? What time of year did it erupt in the eighties? So that was May. May eighteenth. Actually, coming up next Saturday will be the anniversary. So May I don't 18th. know that they would have been able to distinguish it from snow. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Brian, do you know how far <laughs> the ash went? Because it was all over the place, wasn't it? Um. So the trace they have. Um, the very, very fine particles went up into the atmosphere and actually went almost all the way around the world, possibly more. Um, when they get entrained in there, it's hard for them to come down because they're so light. Um, but the, the larger particles, um, and we're looking at a dusting to, right. I think it's about five millimeters, uh, maybe a little bit less, went out um, just past Idaho through the panhandle okay. into Montana a little bit. So yeah, probably not quite, quite out to Minnesota. Not quite. Almost. About halfway there. They got yeah. halfway there to where my parents were, but yeah. So the Glacier Peak eruption um, happened. So Glacier Peak is another extremely right. explosive one that in Mount St. Helens um, had an eruption about 13,000 years ago that probably would have, on a windier day, w- might have reached Minnesota. Okay. Very large. It went up into Alberta. I guess because you hardly ever see Glacier Peak or unless you're like in an airplane. I feel like I always forget that it's one of the big ones. Yeah. A lot of people do. Yeah. I think they're hoping to get more seismic monitors for that in particular, aren't they? Uh, they've been working on that for a couple of years, just uh, trying to put them into the Glacier Peak wilderness areas. Right. It's a little challenging. There's a lot of regulations. Uh, but if it started yeah. showing activity, right, a lot of those regulations would go away because life safety is very important. Right. That would be a consideration. Awesome. It's, uh, do you know what a lahar is, Sarah? I sure do, and you want to know why? Why? Because of the Junior Ranger Program Oh yes. at... <laughs> Mount Rainier National Park. That's awesome. And they uh, are supposed to watch the video that they play there at at the ranger station. So we were at Paradise. We watched the video. And 
it actually put the children at ease because they all are always concerned about the volcano because they're like, oh my God, the volcano's going to get us. And we're like, probably not. Like, we're kind of far. I know you can see it, but we're way further away from it than you think. And so when they watched it, they were actually really excited because the lahar did not go into where we live. What I learned, really though, <laughs> is that the um, the Lahar could potentially impact the Nisqually River Bridge. Right. And and uh, uh, and I have to cross that to get home. So so, so and I don't, mm-hmm. which is why they were like, oh well, the Nisqually River Bridge and the Nisqually River would be that that boundary right. to our south. Um, and and so they would be safe from the. So you're like, bring Lahar. on the Lahar, and I'm like, no. <laughs> It's, it's I'm a, not because oh the because the, they go over the amount of devastation that a lahar would bring, especially from something as as big as Rainier, uh, having all of the glacier come undone and it looked horrible in their little <laughs> video model. Right, we've been talking about a lahar, but we haven't really defined it. Oh tell, yeah, so tell, tell us, us what, what a lahar is. is. Okay, so this is a volcanic mud flow. Um, it's pretty much they were talking about it coming off the glacier, and this is just. Um, when you get an eruption, we have so much snow and ice on our volcanoes already. I think Mount Rainier has more than all the other mountains in the Cascades combined, at least in Washington. And when this starts to melt in any eruption, you can get it kind of cascading down the stream, mixing with all the ash, with all the mud, with all the dirt, um, picking up. So this comes from an Indonesian word where these are very common. Um, ours tend to form a lot more when the snow and ice melt, but there's they get all this ash built up on the hillsides, and when they get monsoons or seasonal rains, it can mobilize this and turn it into a big debris flow that comes down. Right, and oh. they said that that would probably be the most damaging part of the eruption. Yeah, that's probably the most far-reaching hazard that could be damaging. That's what we're most concerned about. Um, but some important things to think about with it. It's important to know if you live within a lahar hazard zone, um, but some of the ones that are a little more far away. Um, lahars are not always... Um, so when you look at the hazard map, for example, you have all these streams. Um, you can find these on the USGS Cascades Volcano Observatory webpage or talk to your local emergency manager uh, to get information about this. But if you look at these maps, they show these yellow and red areas, which right. are areas where lahars have happened in the past. This doesn't mean that when the volcano erupts, there is going to be mud pouring right. down every you single have time. one of these streams. You would have time to go home, Stephen. Well, <laughs> potentially. So it, it just doesn't mean everyone is going to be as large. So those are just the largest ones in the work. past have been in those. Um, <laughs> most lahars are smaller, and there's actually a lot of seasonal at your debris house, flows. <laughs> camping at your house is a good way to prepare for ash, but not your, yeah. not a lahar if you're right. in a lahar zone. Yeah. Well, Stephen would have to come in anyways to do the emergency response. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, it's, so you, it's would, a... you could just stay here. Lucky you. Thanks. Like I, said, I can be on your, you have a couch, right? Yeah. Everyone can come to my house and, and take a nap. Uh, you know, so what's so cool about our county here in Pierce County is they've helped organize some uh, Lohar evacuation drills. Okay. They've been working in the community of Ording for quite a few years, and they're working with Puyallup uh, this year for the first time. Um, and so, so these, these drills, Brian, tell us about these drills. What, what do they do? What is the, the purpose of them? Oh, sure. So um, City of Puyallup is going to run their first evacuation drill. Um, well, first Ording is doing theirs on May 10th. And they're going, I think it's the sixth year in a row. Um, but they're just trying to make sure they can evacuate all the students in time. Because right. the City of Ording has somewhere between 45 and 50 minutes 
after Lahar initiates from a certain side of the mountain before it impacts their community. Right. Um, Puyallup has about an hour and a half, so they realize they're in a very similar situation and they would like to evacuate. So they're getting 9,000 people out of the area, 20 total schools. Um, this is a very large scale drill. I think it's the largest that's happened in the U.S. for volcano evacuation um, to date. So they're also looking at their regional evacuation plans and seeing where they line up. Are we evacuating using the same roads as Sumner, for instance? Right. So this is a fantastic planning effort, and I'm really glad they're doing this. Uh, it's also going to bring a lot of attention to the students and the teachers and everyone, all the parents. Right. The people um, who aren't thinking about exactly the fact that they would only have so much time to get somewhere. And it's all part of just learning your roots, knowing how you can get away from your school. Right. Um, but then also, hopefully, they'll go home and think about routes that they take normally, whether it's to the grocery store, right. um, whether it's to work, that might be impacted by this event. So exactly these are the most important parts of being prepared for this that makes sense yeah i mean it, it's it's a scary situation but right. they're treating it so well uh to make sure that that the kids aren't scared that they know what this is right they <laughs> should all watch the video <laughs> they would learn so much everybody should do junior ranger program <laughs> well, agree. Yeah, i've certainly ranger done a few. <laughs> yeah but like, yeah, the kids in Ording, I went and watched the drill a couple of years ago, and a lot of them are just, you get out of school, and if it's a nice day, you just right. take a hike, um, learn your routes, and right. it seems like a really good program. So. It's, it's a, and then there's, I know we're talking about Mount Rainier, but um, you've, you've done some um, exercises with the folks over there at Mount Baker, too, because they have uh, also a Lahar issue, don't they? Yeah, so actually all of our volcanoes have a lahar issue. I know if you see them in the winter, they're all covered in snow, and most right. of them in the summer as well. Um, so yeah, any eruption could cause a lahar. And again, if you check those maps, you can find out where lahars have happened in the past. So that's really the only places they're expecting them to happen again. It, they tend to stay in river valleys and floodplains afterwards. Um, but yes, we were mentioning Mount Baker has had some historic lahars. And uh, to work on this, the community, uh, Whatcom County, put on an exercise where they simulated that a, an eruption was happening at the mountain and uh, just tried to understand the search and rescue, how they would do the alert and warning to get everybody out on time. Right. Um, so yeah, that was a really good, another excellent planning effort. Awesome. So, so, so Brian, he's not really bragging about himself, but he's, uh, he's been all over the place looking at volcanoes. Uh, yeah. Like all over the world. Talk to us about that. What's um, the coolest volcano? Oh, there's too many cool volcanoes. Um, I'd say one that was really interesting was as part of a trip with a USAID that we run here in Washington. We do a binational exchange okay. and travel to Colombia okay. um, to learn about their lahar hazards and how they handle those. Um, so we went to Nevado del Ruiz, which if anybody remembers, this erupted in 1985, had a catastrophic lahar where people were not informed it was coming down the mountain. It ended up killing about 25,000 people. Okay. Um, so the whole lot. point of this exchange is to try to understand, um, bring other countries that have this hazard in and understand what went wrong and how we can avoid doing it again. Right. Um, so it was the fire chief in uh, Ording who went on this trip a couple of years ago, and that's when he decided, hey, we're going to start doing these evacuation drills. It really impacted him that way. Um, so that's an excellent experience. And I, I think we all learned a lot about how to um, improve work in Washington because of this. That's yeah. pretty cool. And then um, you've, you've done some work at Yellowstone too, right? 
Oh, so as part of my master's, I was working in Yellowstone a bit, um, but that was, we are searching for infrasound. Um, so it's, it's sound that's below 20 hertz. It's below the range humans can hear, but volcanoes produce an awful lot of it. Okay. Um, a lot can of Can the volume. animals hear it? Uh, some animals can. Okay. You know, elephants, they have big ears. They can hear it pretty well. I mean, like the, ele- the elephants, the animals at Yellowstone, I mean, because they, they have, they boast such, so much about their wildlife. So I would just be interested. There's not too much I know of for... Um, I haven't seen any studies that say that, um, but one of our deployments did get uh, briefly attacked by a bison. That was pretty wild. <laughs> um, bison we just will lo- only attack you if you're in their situation. <laughs> we left for a little while, so <laughs> that was good. But yeah, just geysers produce a lot of inf- infrasound too, we yeah. found out. Um, it's pretty similar to a jet engine. We're trying to compare that to some volcanoes around the world. Like I'm sure the there's a lot of jetting from the 1980 non-St. Helens eruption as well. Right. Um, but they didn't really have any microphones out looking for that at the time. Um, so that's an interesting volcano as well. And also like a total bummer that you have to spend time at Yellowstone. It was rough. Right? I'm going there for the 4th of July. Oh, nice. Weekend. Good luck with the crowds. Well. <laughs> we went in November. It wasn't very crowded, but uh, it was really cold. Yeah, we just have to work with what we got, and that's the time that we get to spend. <laughs> it's worth going there, no matter what. So. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, what is the most likely volcano to erupt? Like next. Next. Um, probably Mount St. Helens. So it's the most consistently erupting, but all she of her just volcanoes. loves to erupt. Mount St. Helens is a girl, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Um, Fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's Because erupted. I just decided it. Okay. Yeah. Baker's a guy. Helens is the... Yeah. Rainier can be either. It depends on the day. Depends on the day. That's right. Yeah. Fair. Okay. Depends on, on how you're feeling that day. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite St. Helens stories, actually, with the, the guard. I don't know if you'd heard that the, there were guard soldiers in helicopters. Yes. And they'd been ordered to come back. And then they they actually disobeyed orders and went to go to St. Helens to rescue people. Yes, I did hear about that. <laughs> wow. And I mean, and they were later honored by the governor. But so don't. But don't disobey orders unless like. Yeah, I'm not advocating for don't people do to that. disobey orders. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> I you an asterisk. I mean, great. On it. Yeah, asterisk. Great story. He's but just also, saying it made a great story. But also, I mean, I mean if. The storyteller yeah. in me loves that story. Same. But the army officer in me says don't disobey orders. <laughs> Which goes again into if there's an exclusion zone around the volcano, right. it's for your safety. It, there's there's probably a reason. So that's also a nice yeah. thing about our volcanoes. Most of them are surrounded by federal land, which we can close. Right. Um, last May, we actually had the, the Fuego volcano in Guatemala erupt, and that caused a lot of death on the mountain. Because people live on the slopes of it. Of course. Mm. We don't have people living on them. Right. But again, you have this prosperous soil. Yep. And people live there because it's where they live. Um, we have a different culture around our volcanoes here where there are more national parks, national yep. forest land, wilderness areas. There so. is some like thinning operations. So there's some folks that do work around it. Yeah. For loggers. And, that's and then the people who work at the national park too. But yeah, the, the yeah. rangers that live on the national park and stuff like that but obviously they're very educated folks. they know what they're doing yeah they know what they're doing and they know what to do in case of of an eruption so i guess it sort of makes them the exception yeah. and then, i mean we're talking eruptions but but we would uh 
there would be a lot of warning. Oh yeah. There'd be, there'd be a lot of warning. And I just wanted to emphasize that, that it's, you know, something that, that I, I have to talk with my friends about who are like, Oh man, Mount St. Helens or Rainier, they're just going to pop. And it's going to be like that. And I'm like, well, no, we're going to know, we're going to get some heads up on that. Yeah. So we can talk about the alert levels a little, if you want. Yes. Um, So again, we're trying to establish the background of these volcanoes, what they do well, just on a regular day, a nice sunny day, how do they spend their time? Do they, how much do they shake? Um, how much do they deform regularly? Right. Um, so that's considered normal. That's the first level. Um, if anything changes, if you get, say, an earthquake swarm, um, which is really loosely defined, but it could be just more earthquakes than normal in a large pattern. Hey, maybe they were 20 within a couple hours. Maybe it's 200 over a period of days. It's unusual. So um, then the USGS, our observatory, is going to start looking at a little more closely. Say okay. That'd be like a massive crack in the glacier or something like that. It could be. Okay. Um, but what they're going to do at that point is probably put out an information statement, right. which is not really an official warning. It's hey, this is what happened. You probably saw something about it. We're giving you a little more information. Right. We're looking into it more closely. Um, the next step it'll go up to if they think it's potentially moving towards an eruption would be an advisory. Okay. Um, so this is like slightly above background. Um, this is unusual it might be moving towards an eruption they like wouldn't let anybody summit that day um they might close it but really that's going to be up to the federal agencies involved and um, the locals might start doing some sort of evacuation or it might just be increased outreach Um, we're trying to coordinate what we do at these different levels but it's it's really loose and it's going to depend a lot on what is said um so and how quickly it's and escalating probably is part to of it like too. what it is that is unusual about exactly that yeah okay so again if it's like it's just warmer than normal there's more gas coming out um, right what does that mean we, we're not sure but we're looking into it so when it's an advisory it's just kind of hey you should probably be aware there's a volcano here yeah you should always be aware of that but it's <laughs> be slightly more aware than normal um, the next stage up they have a watch which is an eruption could happen now they're they're thinking the stage is um, pretty much set right for an eruption at that point it could proceed to one it might go back to normal um, i mean you could have the same thing happen at advisory um, it's probably going to remain in an elevated system for a little while but this is all period of unrest um, and then when it's actually eruption eruption is imminent or already in progress is a volcano warning um, so sometimes it actually jumps right from advisory right. up to a warning but right. that's just going to be when it starts erupting so for example on this um Kilauea has been erupting since the early 18 or 1980s, um, but it was in a state of um, watch right up until really early last May when finally a crack opened up in a populated area. They instantly switched it to warning because it was erupting. Right. But it had been erupting in a way that was not really impacting anyone. Right. Um, so They knew it was going to be happening. Uh, I mean, it was coming. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, but so that went back down to watch last August after that eruption. So, and so it's actually normal now. All of ours, though, are, like you said, national park areas and stuff like that. So then what would, wh- what stage would they close the national park and start? I mean, I know you said it sort of depends on how their advisory is or what, but would watch definitely be kind of a, maybe we shut it down for a minute or not? Because people come here to see the beautiful volcanoes and to hike them and the trails all around them. Yeah, so that's really going to depend on how quickly it's escalating and things right. like that. And what's really nice with our CVO, the Cascades Volcano Observatory, they work with a lot of other observatories around the world, so they have a lot of experience with this. 
Um, they also have the Volcano Disaster Assistance Program, which is an international branch of it. Um, so recently, like a gun in uh, Bali, right. a volcano that started erupting, they sent people out there to monitor it. Uh, and because they've done this all over the world, they've gotten really good at kind of coming up with a forecast for what okay. might happen over the next 24, 48 hours, right. kind of providing probability of that. Um, so I think a lot of it is going to be based on kind of how quickly it's escalating, what the signs are showing. Um, but we'll be closely coordinating with the Forest Service, with the National Park Service, um, to make those decisions. Awesome. Um, but ultimately, it's going to be the landowners and the locals who are making those decisions. Right. Brian, man, why do you like geology so much? What's what's about the rocks and everything that? I mean, that overall, I would say that I've gotten the I've been really lucky to travel to a lot of different places, but um, Earth is probably my favorite. It's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to learn more about it. And I mean, if you ever get to watch... That was a really sly joke. I don't do that much. No, um, <laughs> if you... T- In case anybody listening didn't get it. Just <laughs> watch some videos of a volcano erupting sometime. And as terrifying as they are, they're fascinating too. Um, right. So I decided after an undergrad in geology... Um, which was mainly inspired by going out to a lot of our national parks and becoming a junior ranger at some of them. Devil's Tower has it's some cool rocks, like Yellowstone. I know it, we're not supposed to, they're also a federal program, so we can sort of say, like, it's a great program, the junior ranger program. Oh, I, yeah. My daughter learns, uh, she's got three badges so far, and she learns so much every time. Oh, yeah. And it's they make it so fun the with the program, and they t- the, the rangers are so helpful, and they help kids. And I do think it helps instill that sort of curiosity and maybe she'll like geology more than you did i did not enjoy geology but i took it twice oh (laughs) well i decided i had to go see more volcanoes yeah um, moved into that for grad school and got to go see a bunch of them and um, i think the most interesting thing i saw with that though is trying to kind of bring it back down to earth Um, we were working at one in uh, japan called sakurajima okay and it was at a conference with a whole bunch of volcanologists and we were all just we had an opportunity to work with the local kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're hanging out there and just had this session with them. We're like, okay, go out and collect ash. And all the time, this ash is raining down on us. Right. Because this is an extremely active volcano. Just large eruption, just a big boom every, say, um, within every five hours at least. Okay. A lot more frequent than that sometimes. But sky was dark, ash raining down on us. We're all just kind of really psyched about this. Um eventually like we had a time where like okay so we're all volcanologists hey kids do you have any questions for us and mm-hmm. nobody had any questions um but then <laughs> it was like okay well one of the guys like i got a question for you so you live in this super dynamic environment and it's really cool there's like ash raining down on you and you you live here and i mean what's it like nobody said anything for a while and then eventually one of the kids raised his hand and said something just kind of like mumbled and the translator says it's not that special (laughs) and this just kind of we all laughed but it was like a really eye-opening moment just to realize like hey if you actually live with this every day this has been going on for years right it's not that special it's terrifying it's not fun to have ash on you all the time yes ruins things Um, bad air quality yeah, poor air quality. All the kids wear helmets on the way to uh, school, whether they're biking or walking. Yeah. It's just the rule in the area. And it, it's part of the life. Right. Yeah, something to live with. <laughs> so living with our volcanoes is a little bit different than that. But yeah. just realize if one of them erupts, we're going to have a very different environment. Yeah. I think it's funny because kids are like that. My daughter like does not understand why I'm so obsessed with the mountains after living my whole life in places with no mountains. And I was like, I just want you to know 
you're not always surrounded by, you know, greenery and mountains and water all in the same place. I mean, I lived most of my life in the South or Minnesota. And Minnesota, while beautiful and full of green and, and water, no mountains. Um, and so I was like, this is special. And we don't get to see them every day because they only come out when the sky is clear. Yeah. So, like, drink it in. But, yeah, kids are like that. Like, well, what's the big deal? I was in Maryland not that long ago, and there was a local that was pointing and said, hey, do you like our mountain? And I'm like, what mountain? And, and it was a hill. <laughs> Their mountain was a hill. I right. mean, it, it's, it was barely would have been a foothill here. Yeah. It's, it's a, I really didn't want to offend him. Right. But, but I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that mountain. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to, <laughs> to be, you know, not see it. Right. I mean, there are technically mountains in Maryland, but you have to drive drive out to them on the the Appalachians but yeah they're not the same as no as what we get to see every well whenever the sky is clear the mountains out yeah well but looking at that the mountains out but I mean Mount St. Helens used to look a lot like that and now it looks completely different yes I just can't even imagine that happening it could happen it happened a long time ago. I actually was looking because in Stephen's office, there's a picture of Rainier and a picture of St. Helens right next to each other. And it, I, so Mount St. Helens used to look sort of like Mount Rainier. Yeah, very similar. And yeah. now it looks like a big old crater. Yeah. <laughs> or Shasta in California. Okay. S- that similar kind of yeah. style. Had Mount Rainier had an eruption similar to that about 5,600 years ago. So. It could happen again. It could happen I again. I can't even imagine that, Me, though, just looking at it. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. It's happened before. It could happen again. These right. Are, we think of them as so constant, but these are changing mountains. They're at right. a rate may, way faster than any of the other ones. Yeah. So. You know, one of the, the factoids, I mean, that, that I hear, we, we're going to have a, a big earthquake at some point. Right. Um, but uh, the questions that I see that we get is uh, when this bur- big earthquake comes, is that going to trigger all the volcanoes? Yeah, how does off? that affect the volcanoes? Or is there any way to know how it's going to affect the, vol- the volcanoes? And we do have some evidence of that, Brian. Go for it. So really looking at their records in the past, there's not really any evidence that shows that that happens. So we had a very similar subduction zone earthquake in Tohoku in 2011. Okay. Uh, one in Sumatra in 2004. There's not really any evidence linking that these set off volcanoes or volcanic eruptions, even though those are both very volcanically active places, uh, much more so than Washington. Right. Um, I mean, and our, our own Cascadia earthquake was in the year 1700, and, yeah. and there's no real evidence right. that, that the volcanoes went off at that point either. I mean, but that's not saying it can't happen, though. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, there's there's got to be like the perfect storm situation of yeah. it hits exactly at the wrong spot in right. the in the plate and then everything's messed up. Right? But you, can't you see like the next rock movie? One hundred percent. And then all the volcanoes all go off. One hundred percent. The <laughs> earthquake cracks right down the middle of Mount Rainier and then Mount Rainier erupts in, in the next rock movie in, the, in my imagination. The sequel to San Andreas. <laughs> Mount Rainier has its own fault zone. So does yes. Mount St. Helens. So those are ones. But, yeah, I but mean, the movie producers don't care, Brian. <laughs> Inevitably, though, we're going to get questions. We have a uh, Reddit, Ask Me Anything, coming up on right. Tuesday, on May 14th. That's in case this comes out before that, I'm not sure. Um, it Nope, it won't. Nope, it won't. <laughs> Ignore that. <laughs> but inevitably, one of the questions that we get a lot from people is, well, on these Ask Me Anythings, we do one about earthquakes as well. And uh, one question is like, oh, Cascadia is definitely going to set off Yellowstone. Um, 
and it can say like nope that's not gonna happen and you'll be like okay i got it it definitely will and just whatever you say convinces them more in that direction that just seems less likely than it's setting off one of the five volcanoes next to it right (laughs) so part of the reason our volcanoes won't erupt without warning is because they're not currently ready to erupt they need to have a magma chamber that's close enough to the surface that um, so maybe if it had that if it shook in a way that exposed something um, to the surface all that it would be able to decompress into an eruption right since that's not the case right now it's not very likely yeah Again, can't say there's no chance of it because that's well, not yeah, how science I mean, works. And there's there's always the doomsday scenario of just the one wrong thing happening, and then. And there's some weird situations they talk about with that too, because um, I think it was 2000 um, in the early 2000s, maybe 2003. There was an earthquake in Alaska, the Denali earthquake. Okay. It had some really weird waves that actually, when they passed through Yellowstone, a lot of the hot springs had really weird activity, um, and they just correlate that with that time right. when these waves pass through. So there's some weird stuff. They can definitely yeah. affect the, um, especially the groundwater system. Um, but magma is yeah, a lot more so viscous. Yeah, I could see that being the case, the groundwater system more so than... Yeah, groundwater moves a lot yeah. more quickly than magma. So, I mean, even if it opened up a crack, it's really unlikely magma would move fast enough to fill that crack. Right. But water, on the other hand... Right. That makes more sense. Especially pressurized. That was a good way to illustrate that point. Yeah, for sure. Well, so volcano is just one of our many hazards across the state. And yep. That's why we tell people to get two weeks ready because you never know what's going to happen, right? Well, yeah. And if anything, like when Tag t- talked on uh, our town hall, we talked about Snowmageddon showing us that people were not two weeks ready, right? Even for snow. I mean, there you go. record <laughs> snowfall from what, the since the 60s for Western Washington? It was a lot of snow. And, and we knew about snow. that ahead of time. We I did. Mean, and, we, and we told people ahead of time. To we get did. And then the the day it's snowing, people are trying to get as much bread I and know. peanut butter as they can. Not this Minnesota girl. <laughs> I already knew. Yeah, I'm from New York, so uh, <laughs> it wasn't bad. Um, but yeah, that's a good thing to bring right. up too. I mean, we talked a lot about lahars, and in right. that case, you want to get out of there as fast well, as possible. And but. a lot of the lahars will affect the I-5 corridor. Yeah, um, as far as the, the bridges and, and stuff like that. Like you said, the Nisqually River Bridge, that cuts off a, a good portion of, yeah. of population and stuff like that. So we saw him to the Amtrak derail. Right, exactly. Um, so, But then all yeah. of our volcanoes can also have ash fall. And right. if that's the case, if there's really heavy ash fall, it's going to be a very similar situation. Shelter in place in your house. Right. So again, if you're two weeks ready, you're prepared for that situation as well. Exactly. Just don't stay in your house while there's a lahar coming. (laughs) Yeah, if there's a lahar coming, evacuate. (laughs) So having those warnings, I mean, we always suggest having the NOAA alert weather radio. Yep. That's really good. But sign up with your local emergency managers. There's ways to get alerts about that. Um, Pierce County is the PC alert. And we have a website, mail.wa.gov slash volcano. No, we have lahar maps on it and lots of stuff like that and usgs actually has a volcano notification service that anyone can sign up for Um, the best way to find it it's a really long url but if you just google volcano notification service anyone can sign up yeah and you'll get those alerts same time as everyone else all good information i did not know any of that you learned a lot today didn't you i learned so i just learned so much we, we should I give you a little volcano badge. For even though I did know about the Lahars, thanks to the movie at Mount Rainier. <laughs> Is there anything else that we missed? 
Um, I guess I would just say one more preparedness thing is just kind of this idea of it's the most important thing is to be aware of the hazards in your area. Again, if you don't live on the side of the volcano or spend much time up there, you don't have to worry too much about the lava, right? the pyroclastic flows, the ballistics coming out. Well, Hawaii, they had refrigerator-sized refrigerators. Um, really, it was refrigerator-sized blocks that were being thrown out of the volcano when right. explosions happened. Um, but if you know you're in a lahar zone, for instance, we don't really understand exactly how fast this is going to go, right. and really the lahar could happen at any time. If you're in that area, it might not be a bad idea just to go I don't know, live with a friend for a little while. Because um, the thing that comes out of the Columbia trip especially, and we have to learn from other countries in this, our events don't happen um, frequently enough for us to learn from it. Um, people did not understand what this hazard was, and they didn't understand how to get out of the way. Um, so I'd say an important thing for that is, hang on here, I had a note. <laughs> Shoot, I'm looking. It's it's basically to get prepared. It's it's uh, you need to know your surroundings and your you need to routes. make sure you you uh, understand your evacuation routes, and you need to to basically take some responsibility for yourself and realize you know the government isn't going to be there to to guide you every step of the way. Uh, you have to. We'll be there to respond, but you right. have to you have to prepare. I mean, we also have to respond to whatever is happening at the same time. Yeah, so there's that, but it's also just knowing the scale of this hazard, right. the magnitude, the the lahar in the case. It's it's about getting out of there, um, right? Versus sheltering in place, because this is a this is a hazard where um, really just keeping your property is going to be a matter of luck. Not every lahar is right. huge, but any lahar is destructive. So getting out of there, your your house could be fine, but really it's about life safety. You want to get out of there. Um, so make a go kit. Be ready to get out of there if you need to. Know your evacuation routes. Yep. Go practice legording and up. Yeah. Everybody should be practicing, especially if you live in the Lahar zones like, like we're talking about here. Or work in one. Or work in one. We're safe at Camp Murray, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're good. We're in a good spot. We're in a good spot. Thank goodness. Because I think we're not in a good spot, right, for Cascadia Rising. <laughs> we, we, the, the earthquake will damage all of us. Yeah, unfortunately. Awesome. Well, thank you so much um, for coming on and letting us know all about the volcanoes. I think we're so lucky to be able to look at them because they're so beautiful. But I think absolutely because they're so beautiful, you forget about how hazardous they are. And I think it's important to remember that they are volcanoes and that comes with dangers absolutely so yeah they're they're beautiful so go out there and enjoy them but safely yeah that's really all we can say that's it Very cool. awesome thanks and thanks a lot